How we doing? We good? Good, good, man. Thank you for braving the rain coming out, uh, especially all of our, our setup teams, particularly in Jasper, our parking teams, everybody that makes this happen on a weekend. Uh, anytime it rains, people are always, I don't know if I'm going to go to church, but we've got specific people, men and women, dedicated to making it happen every weekend. Uh, so make sure you tell them thank you, that we're grateful for them. And, and thank you for being here. You obviously love Jesus more than those who didn't come today, so I want to <laughs> applaud you for that. Uh, just want to put that out there, all right? But, but speaking of rain, the last time uh, Lindsay and I were in Kenya, we were visiting a church uh, that has a compassion project outside of Nairobi, kind of in the country a little bit, and this, this church was just literally like almost, you know, kind of just out there. And we would go visit some kids' houses. And, and when I say houses, they're huts, right? And I was talking to one girl who was a compassion child. And her hut was about two miles. We got there, you know, through a land cruiser where you actually need a land cruiser. And um, we were there. And I asked her, I said, you walk to church? She said, yeah. I said, what do you do when it rains? And she looked at me with kind of like this puzzled look on her face. She's like, I walk to church. And then she asked me this question. She's like, do Americans not walk to church when it rains? I said, we got cars and people won't come to church when it rains. It's just simply because they don't want to get wet, right? So again, thank you for being here and, and being a part of this. And, and speaking of Kenya, we do have a team that is going to Kenya tomorrow and uh, working with our partner, Serve International. So please be praying. It's a, it's a completely Revolution Church team. So everybody on the team is from Revolution. And if you remember, if you were here last year, we collected clothes, those orange bags. We do it every year. And then Serve takes that, turns it into money, buys food. And so we're going to feed people up in the northwest part, Lodwar, uh, where they have an orphanage as well, Serve International does. And so we're bringing in five new orphans, which will need to be sponsored. And we're also going to see that the beauty of the relationship with Serve is they've been feeding people in these towns where they just don't have access to a lot of basic necessities of food and water. So Serve's been there for years feeding them. And over this last year, we've developed an even better, uh, kind of deeper partnership with them. We're actually helping them plant churches. And so you paid for two churches to be built last year. So we're going to see those be dedicated, meet the pastor that's training the pastors there. And uh, they were just blown away. I mean, literally, it is Revolution Kenya. That's how they see themselves. And so they were excited that the pastor was coming. And I get to baptize, I think, about over 20 people uh, in, a, in a riverbed there. So really looking forward to that. Yeah. So be praying for our team as we're there. Um, it's just going to be amazing. We're, we're taking video and everything. We'll be telling you more about it when we get back. But we are starting a new series today called House United. And so as we jump into that, as we prepare to get ready for that, let's pray before we get started. Father, thank you for your grace in our life. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for your word. And God, I pray as we open up your word now that you would help us. You would open our eyes. You'd open our ears. God, you help me to communicate the truth of it because power is not in my opinions. God, it's in your word and it never returns void. And so God, we ask for it to go forward now and to accomplish your purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have a Bible, you can open up to Matthew chapter 12. That's where we're gonna hang out for the majority of our time together. I'll give you a couple of other supporting verses to go along with that that'll be here on the screen. You don't have to necessarily turn there, but I would definitely write them down as a reference. But in Matthew chapter 12, we're gonna see a story that on the surface doesn't really apply so much to family or family develop or household, but I think it has a huge principle 
for us to understand for the benefit and the joy of our families. And we talked about last year, we had five objectives as a part of Multiply that we want to see accomplished. Spiritual development, which was why we did the series we did at the beginning of this year called Habits, Family Development, Generosity Development, Leadership Development, and Artist Development. So those are five objectives that we are working to accomplish in 2018 and 2019 as a part of our Multiply initiative. And so this series is about family development. And we've entitled it House United. And the reason why we've called it that is because you ever seen those like license plate things or, you know, I guess a license plate on the front of a car, my license plate things, what is, what's the license plate, right? The, where it'll have two different teams, typically football teams or universities, and it'll say house divided. So, you know, it might have Auburn and Alabama, Georgia and Georgia Tech. And, and there's some weird ones out there and I always laugh, like Oregon and Florida State. I'm like, how are y'all divided about that one, right? Like get in, at least get it in the same state, man. I mean, come on. Um, and Texas is always Texas, Texas A&M. And, and the idea, come on, it's all right, come on. Um, <laughs> we're on the way back, baby, just saying. Um, and the idea of it is that people in their house are divided on their favorite sports teams. And again, particularly football which could be a sin in some households here in the South. But, but the idea of it is they can't come to a, an agreement on who to cheer for. Now, when we think about a house being divided over football teams, we understand that as much as our life revolves around our sports and our schools and stuff, at the end of the day, we understand that those aren't the most important things. Like, someone's not gonna say at their deathbed, you cheer for Georgia Tech, get out of here, right? Like, no, I mean, we're just, we realize there are deeper things than, than what team we cheer for. But the idea of it is true, that you can have a house that is divided. And so what we're saying as a church is we want to have a house that's united. And we're not talking about our church, although it's, that's true, but our houses, our families to be united, not divided. Because sports teams is one thing, but who you worship is a completely different thing. And so we want to make sure our houses are united around, kind of, you know, think about the solar system, we orbit, orbit around the most important thing in the center, which in our solar system is the sun, and which in our life is also the sun, that's the cheesy Christian joke, not S-U-N-S-O-N, right? The son of God. And so what we're saying is we want families that are united around Jesus, that orbit around Jesus, and that's what we're going to get into. So again, if you have your Bible, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 12. And, and contextually, just so you understand this story, we're going to start in verse 24. Jesus has been healing people. He's been doing his ministry, and he's getting some resistance, getting some pushback, because just by the nature of things that Jesus is doing, you couldn't be doing these things if you weren't spiritual and powerful. And so Jesus would speak with authority and they would be amazed by that, but then he would do things with authority. And one of the things he was doing in this context is he was healing people that were demon-possessed. And then the Pharisees don't like it and they come up with, uh, you know, kind of alternative facts, if you will, to say, oh, this is how he's doing it. So look at this in Matthew 12, verse 24. It says, but when the Pharisees heard it, they said, it is only by Beelzebul, that's another name for Satan, the prince of demons, that this man cast out demons. Verse 25, knowing their thoughts, again, this is Jesus, he said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste. No city or house divided against itself will stand. Let me read that again. No city or house 
divided against itself will stand. And if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? Now again, contextually speaking, Jesus is obviously talking about the battle between his kingdom and Satan's kingdom. And so the Pharisees don't like what Jesus is doing. Say he's casting out demons, but he's doing it by the devil, the prince of demons. And Jesus just, I mean, so matter-of-factly, rationally says, listen, why would Satan cast out Satan? Because if Satan was casting out Satan, then that would mean his kingdom is divided. And we all know that any house, any kingdom, any city that's divided will not stand. Now, let's take that principle and apply it to our households. Let's take that principle and apply it to our families. And here's the principle. I'm going to give it to you. It's my point, the only point for today's message and really kind of the point for the whole series. So let me give it to you and then we'll unpack it. Here's the principle. No house, no house divided against itself will stand. No house divided against itself will stand. So when we talk about our house, and this word house, it's not referring to the actual building, it's referring to the social unit, what we would call the family. So you could say no family divided against itself will stand. That principle is true. You can take that to the bank. If your house isn't united, if your house isn't circular, you know, circling around one set center point like the sun and it's orbiting around that and your house is going different directions, it will not stand. It's just simple, basic, rational thinking. Jesus is making a point here to say, listen, no house divided against itself will stand. I love how Luke says it too. You don't have to turn there. It was the same story from Luke's version. Luke 11, verse 17, it's here on the screen. He says, but he, Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste and a divided household falls. It's the title of my message, a divided household falls. And that word there, fall, is the idea of walls falling down, suffering harm. So when we talk about House United, here's what I'm saying. Here's where we're getting at. What I mean by that is if you and I do not have households that are united, they won't last. If you and I do not have families, if you and I do not have marriages, we do not have consistent parenting that is all united around the same center, then we are kidding ourselves and thinking that it will last. So before we get into the practical implications of that, again, we'll talk about parenting next week. The last two weeks of the series, we'll talk about marriage. You want to make sure you're here for that now because of the snow days. You can't go out of town anyway. Hallelujah. Make sure you're here. All right? Make sure you're here. We're going to talk about the practical implications of that. But today's the principle. And the principle is simply this. If you have not made a decision about who's going to be God in your house, it will not stand. It won't. And and just simply statistically speaking, there is really no difference between those outside the church and those inside the church in regards to divorce and other things. And the main reason why is because even in the church, we have divided houses. So we're doing this series because it's an objective, but we're also doing this series of messages because we've got some divided houses here. And we don't want that. 
We care too much about you. We want us to have united houses, united families, because the principle is simply this. If we are not united, we won't last. We'll fall. Now, again, you don't have to turn there. You can if you want to quickly, but we're going to come back to Matthew 12. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. You say, okay, what do you mean, pastor, by united? Well, let me give you some biblical references for this. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, Paul says this. I appeal to you, brothers. That word appeal means I ask of you. I ask earnestly. He says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice that's the center. United around that, the name of Jesus, that all of you agree. Now, he's writing this to a church. If you don't find that comical, you hadn't been in church very long, right? Like, all of you agree? But again, it applies to families within the church. The principle is the principle. He says that all of you agree. Now, listen, and that there be no divisions among you. But that you be, what's that next word there? United. Let's try that again. Let's call and response. I like to know you're alive out there. Don't be afraid to talk back to me as long as it's good. All right? But that you be what? United. United. You be united. Now listen to this. In the same mind and in the same judgment. You be united. How do you agree? How do you make sure there's no divisions? You're united. Well, how do you make sure you're united? He says, in the same mind. That phrase there means in your mindset. In your mindset. So here's what he's saying. First thing for us to be united in our families is we have to have the same mindset. We have to think the same way about things. And a lot of times what happens, especially in marriages, especially in parents and in parenting and in houses, we don't have the same mindset. We see it differently. And again, we'll get into this when we talk about marriage, but you need to understand something. Marriage is not meant primarily to put you in conflict with the other person, with your spouse. Marriage is primarily there to put you in conflict with yourself. So here's what I mean by that. The primary purpose of marriage isn't to make you happy, it's to make you holy. You need to understand that. You're like, well, I'm just destined not to be happy. No, here's what I'm saying. The more holy you are, the more happy you'll be. But you need to understand something. The only way you get to holiness, the only way you get to, dare I say, wholeness, oneness, is being of the same mind. Having the same mindset about your life. Again, anytime we do marriage counseling around here, we, we go over some specific things, conflict resolution, parenting, how they relate to their family, finances. Because there's just some principles about that married couples need to understand that, listen, you need to think the same way about this. You need to be of the same mind because if you're not of the same mind, guess what? You've got division. And it's, if it's in your mind, it's only a matter of time before it's gonna be in your marriage. If you're not seeing it the same way as your spouse, if you're not agreeing upon how we're going to handle specific situations, I'm just telling you, you won't stand. And so we give some practical tips. One of them, just in the area of finances, is we tell couples, listen, it is way smarter. I don't even know if that's the most correct way to say that, all right? But it is way more beneficial to have one checking account. Now, I get if you own a business and you got a business checking account, that kind of stuff. Listen, I understand my dad owns his own business. I understand that. But here's what I'm saying. If you got my money and her money, 
or my money and his money and you got two different checking accounts? Listen, you got two, not one. So you're functioning like you're two instead of like you're one. You with me when I say that? I didn't hear nothing. Let's try that again. You, you, you with me? All right. They'd be like, I, I don't agree with you, Pastor. Listen, we can have a follow-up afterwards. I'm just giving you principles, all right? But, but here's what I'm saying to you. Be of the same mindset. Be one. Why? Because if you don't have the same mindset, then you won't make the same judgments. He says, of the same mind and the same judgment. So your mindset determines your decisions, how you act, what you do. And what's amazing, that word there, judgment, the, the idea of it is one of consent. Let me say it to you like this. If one person in the marriage is doing something that the other one doesn't consent, they're not united. They're not united. They're divided. And guess what? Divided households fall. So let me tell you to you practically, and, and, and men in the house, you, just, you may think I'm a wuss for saying this, but I don't really care what you think because I'm not trying to impress you. I don't do anything that my wife doesn't consent. I want you to hear me say that, men. I'm 39 years old, can squat a lot, probably beat up a lot of people, but that does not mean I'm not tough. I don't do anything that my wife does not consent. Why? Because I want a united house. So trips that I go on, my wife has to sign off on. She has to consent. Websites I go to, she has to consent. Hello. She makes the passwords. She don't want me seeing it. I don't see it. She says, this is not appropriate. I turn it off. Now, do I nail that perfectly all the time? No. Ask her. She'd be like, oh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's a struggle. But what am I saying to you? I care more about being united with my wife than getting my way. You hear me? One person said yes. You hear me? Thank you. Come on, man. Here's what I'm saying to you. It amazes me that people think they can live divided lives and make it in the long term. No. I mean, every day I go home to my wife. That right there is half the battle. Of the same mind, of the same judgment. I mean, we are a united family, and we have just made a decision in saying, listen, this is at the center of our life. The Lord is at the center of our life. We have the same mind, of the same judgment, of the same consent. Again, Lindsay functions the same way. She won't do something if I don't consent. And so when I'm talking about being united, again, we'll get into some practical applications of this. I just want to hit the principle today. When I'm talking about being united, that's what I mean. Of the same mind, of the same judgment, of the same consent. Listen, if right now you're not on the same page as your spouse, you already know your house is divided. You already know that. And the reason why it's divided is because one has made a decision that whatever they want is more important than the unity in their own house. And I'm here to tell you that is sin. And that is of Satan. Why? Go back to Matthew 12. Let me show you. Matthew 12. Let's finish this conversation that Jesus was having with the Pharisees. 
Matthew 12, verse 27. He says, and if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons cast them out? He's saying, if I do it, how do your people do it? Therefore, they will be your judges, saying, listen, you know this. And then look at what he says, verse 28. But if by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Let's break that down. He says, but if by, that word there, by, is a preposition of means. That means that the Holy Spirit is the means by which Jesus is doing what he's doing, which is what I told you last series. You need to understand something. A lot of times we look at Jesus and see what he did, and we think, I could never do that. Yes, he was, it, it is the second person of the Trinity, but here's what we need to understand. Now, because of his sacrifice, God sees us as though we are him, and we have access to the same spirit to do everything he did. So here's what I'm saying to you. How did Jesus unite his house? How did Jesus drive out demons? He did it the same way you and I unite our house, by the Spirit of God. That's how he did it. That's how we do it. And then I love how he says this, but if it's by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom has come. That's what Jesus prayed about, right? In his prayer, Matthew 6, when he taught us how to pray. Our Father, we'll do a series right after Easter called Our Father, and we'll talk about that relationship that Jesus now instituted. But here's what we need to understand. What did he pray? For thy will to be done and for thy what? Kingdom to come. Households, let me ask you a question. Families, let me ask you a question. Has the kingdom come to your house? The only way the kingdom has come to your house is if the king has come. When the king comes to your house and the king brings his kingdom by the Holy Spirit, what he does is he takes over. He takes charge. And look at what he says in the next few verses. This, this, I gotta tell you, I was reading this this morning and just this morning, I, I mean, God said, open this up, look at this. I hadn't even thought about it like this before. And these next two verses jumped out of the page on me. Look at verse 29. He says, or he first bind, or sorry, let me, I skipped ahead. Or how can someone enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man? Then indeed he may plunder his house. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. What in the world is Jesus talking about there? When I first read this, and earlier this week, I was thinking about, okay, I'm gonna relate this to, especially challenge the men to be strong men. To be strong men of our house and say, listen, you can't come in here. Now that's true. We'll get into that in marriage. That's true, but that is not what Jesus is talking about. Again, think back to context. They're saying he's casting out demons by Satan. Jesus is like, no, I'm not doing it by Satan. I'm doing it by the Spirit of God. And then he says this. How else can somebody plunder a strong man's goods unless he first binds him? What is Jesus saying? I just saw this this morning. You know what I think Jesus is saying? He's saying Satan is the strong man. Satan is the strong man. Because we know when sin entered the world, Genesis 3, cursed, fractured every relationship between the man and woman, between God and man, between humanity and the earth, 
fractured it all. And ever since then, Satan has had authority here on earth. And now Jesus shows up and says, listen, there's a stronger man. A stronger man is here. And this stronger man is casting out demons of the strong man. But how does he first do that? He binds the strong man. Why? So he can plunder his goods. You want to know what Satan's goods are that Jesus plunders? You. You and me. See, listen, you and I have been bound by sin. We've been bound up by sin. He promised us freedom and it only led to slavery. That's exactly what happened to Adam and Eve. He promised them the world and they lost it all. And ever since then, we've been bound by the power of sin and of Satan. And Jesus shows up and says, listen, I'm casting out demons to show I have more power than the strong man. So here's what you need to know. I am here to bind up the strong man so you can go free. I'm here to bind him up, to plunder the goods that he stole from me. See, you and I belong to Jesus. The only difference is, will you and I recognize that? Will we see that? Will we ask the king to come and bind the strong man and be the Lord of our house? To say, God, we want to put you at the center. We want you to be God. We want you to be king. We want you to bind up the strong man that's kept us bound. And I want you to understand something. Satan has one goal, and it is not to unite. It is to untie. And here's what's amazing. Same letters in different order. Unite, untie. You just move the eye. What Satan has done, and he's crafty, that we can't blast him against it. I mean, the Bible says even Michael, Archangel, doesn't do that. He's more powerful than us. He's stronger than us. We'll lose every time. So don't leave here today like, I'm going to take on Satan, right? Like, charge hell with a water pistol. I don't even know what that means, right? <laughs> no, you need to understand something. He's stronger than you. You lose every time. But a stronger man has showed up. And that's Jesus. And what Satan, see, listen, the Bible says when, when two people get married, two become one. One flesh, one mind, one judgment, one checking account. See what I did there? <laughs> one. And what has Satan done? He has untied that. And made two. Two people, two flesh, two minds, two judgments. You expect me to say two checking accounts, don't you? I'm not going to. And what is Jesus saying? Satan bounds you up by untying what God had tied together. And what Jesus is saying is, I've bound him up. He who was here to bind you up, he that was here to bind you up spiritually, physically, emotionally, by untying everything that God had done. I mean, you see this in the creation. It was good, it was good, it was good, it was very good. And what was very good? The marriage. And Satan didn't show up on the scene until marriage. 
And what has he been doing ever since then? He has been working to destroy it. Why? Because it, more than anything else, represents our relationship with God. So here's what you need to understand. Jesus showed up and said, enough, Satan. I want marriage back because it's mine. I made it. It's my idea. I want families back because I made them. It's my idea. I want my kids back because they're mine. I made them and I want them. You see what I'm saying? Marriage wasn't Satan's idea. It wasn't the world's idea. I'm gonna blow your mind. We'll do this in two weeks. Sex wasn't the world's idea and yet the world promises you that they know best. How in the world do they know best? It wasn't their idea. That was God's. Let that blow your brain about who God is and what he wants for you. Pleasure? You think God is anti-pleasure? Then why did he make it? God is not anti-joy. He is not anti-coming together and enjoying and having a family. Satan is the one who promised us freedom but bound us in prison. And Jesus has showed up and has bound the strong man and says, I want it back. But here's my question to you. I already asked it once, I'll ask it again. Has the kingdom come to your house? Has the king come to your house? And has the strong man of Satan been bound in your house, in your marriage, in your family? How do you know? You know how you know? Has there ever been a point in time in your life where like Joshua, you said, but as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Has that ever happened? Here's what I mean by that. Has there ever come a point in time in your life where you said, I give my life to Christ. The king has come. The king runs my life. The king runs my marriage. The king runs my family. The king runs my finances. But see, here's what I realize. A lot of Christians, especially in 21st century America, want to straddle the fence. And we all know whoever straddles gets racked, right? I mean, come on. You got one foot in the, in the house of God. You got one foot in the house of the world. And you're wondering why you're not experiencing God's best. Why? Because you're divided. You have divided hearts, divided loyalties, divided loves. Ultimately, you have two gods in your house. And you better make a decision. You better make a decision where you say, as for me and my house. Let me just read it to you. You don't have to turn there. Joshua 24, 14 and 15. This is Joshua speaking to the nation of Israel. And Joshua is a precursor to Jesus. In fact, that is how you say Jesus' name in Hebrew, Yeshua. Listen to what he says. Verse 14 of 25 of Joshua. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, listen to this. Choose this day whom you will serve. Choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of the fathers of your fathers served in the region beyond the river or, listen to this, the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But then Joshua says, but as for me and my house... We will serve the Lord. Let me ask you a question. What Lord are you serving? Are you serving the, the Lord of culture? Because you need to understand our culture has a Lord and it is not King Jesus. He says it, in the land whom you now dwell. What are the Lords in our land right now? Sexuality is one of them. Prosperity is one of them. You serving that? 
Or have you made a decision that said, you know what? No, me and my house were serving the Lord. And how does it show up? It shows up in how you function. The principle shows up in how practically how you live. Again, when it comes to your marriage, have you and your spouse made a decision? We said, you know what? We will exalt no other gods in our household other than Jesus Christ himself. Let me ask you this. What would your kids say your gods are? Sports? I'm afraid some of us would say, our kids would say, our gods are them. Because you got kid-centric marriages. This is why a lot of divorces happen after kids leave because they don't know why they're there anymore. You put kids at the center. You put your kids' sports at the center. Listen, I get fired up my son's basketball game like anybody else. I'll yell at a referee like the best of them. But you know what I'll say? I'll make it very clear to my son. Listen, son, this is not what we're all about. I want you to do your best. But at the end of the day, I love you whether you perform or not. My hopes is not in you getting a college scholarship. My hope is you loving Jesus. Because Jesus is the Lord of our house. Not sports, not school, not money. Oh, that's a big one. We'll get into that, generosity development. You'll all love it too. But what happens a lot of times, Lord, you want me to give 10%? <laughs> and God's like, for real? You don't think I can do more with 90 than you could do with 100? But, but you straddle. You say, I don't, I don't know if I can. You know why you struggle? Because money is your God. And you're afraid that if you don't have it, you won't know who you are. But you better make a decision where you say, like our money says to us, in God we trust. I love it. My, my grandfather, my dad's dad, again, we didn't grow up in church, didn't have a history of that. But my grandfather got saved in his 70s. And he was a serial abuser. And his Daughter, my aunt, and my dad walking down a road one day led him to Christ, and he got saved and sought forgiveness. My dad used to always say the dad he knew and the grandpa I knew were two different people. But you know the best memory I have of my grandpa? Because I would go visit him. He lived where the deer lease was, and so I was there all the time. You would walk up to my grandparents' little shotgun house, and above the door, he had a, a wooden sign. I'll never forget it. You know what it said? But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. At 70-something years old, my grandpa made that decision. You're never too old. You're never too far gone. But here's what I'm saying to you. You better make the decision. You better decide today whom you will choose. Because Jesus said it very clearly, clearly. You're either with me or you're against me. And I'm just telling you, you don't want to be against the king when the kingdom fully comes. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Oh, thank you for your word, for the power in it. God, I've been preaching for years and it still blows me away of the things that you show me and say to me and I feel so unbelievably humbled and amazed all at the same time. And God, I pray that your word today would have its intended effect. And men and women, young and old, would make a decision 
and say something like this, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. But God, I know there's some people here today that have never even trusted Jesus. They've never even come to the conclusion that Jesus is God. And that's step one of trusting him and saying, as for me and my soul, we will serve the Lord. So God, I pray right now you'd save them. Nobody looking around or, or talking here as we close, let me ask you a question. Before the king can ever come to your house, he's got to first come to your heart. So has the king come to your heart? Have you been saved? Have you trusted him? Could you confidently say, yes, I serve the living and risen God? If you can't, man, there's grace. That's why he came. That's why he bound the strong man, was to get you back. So he's not here to condemn you. He is here to forgive you and set you free. And he is offering it today by his grace. The Bible says he wants all to repent. So if that's you, you want to trust Christ for the first time, right there where you are, I'm simply going to ask you to pray with me. And it's not so much about the prayer saving you. It's just a conversation between us and God. It's God who's saving you. It's his spirit. I'm just introducing you. If you want to trust Christ for the first time, pray this with me again to yourself, not out loud. Say, God, thank you for loving me, that you sent your son in my place for my sin. I give you my life. Come make your home in my heart. Save me. Forgive me. Again, nobody looking around or talking, but if you just pray to trust Christ, for the first time, I want you to do something for me. Would you just simply lift your hand up so we can see that? Just lift it up. Don't be ashamed. You serve the Lord now. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. We got men and women walking around going to put a gift in your hands, a Bible, some resources. When you get that, you can put it down. But then those of us who have trusted Christ, but if we were honest, we would say, you know what? We've had multiple gods in my house. I've worshiped the idol of money. I've worshiped the idol of success and fame or sports, whatever it is. Looks. God is here still extending his grace and you can make a decision today. As for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. Because you know what? That's a decision you gotta make every day. Every day. And if you wanna go home and put a sign up over your door, great. But it's not so much about the sign, it's about the heart in that house. But I'm telling you, a divided household falls. But a united one around the Son of Jesus, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, will stand. Father, we ask this. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.